today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Sarah decided to take control of the matter and take the matter into her own hands. And in so doing, birthed an Ishmael, a type of the flesh, who to this day is the source of unspeakable conflict in the Middle East. All because she took back control from God. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. No one likes feeling like they're not in control, but as believers, isn't that the nature of our relationship with Christ? To not be in control? (laughs) Pastor J.D. reminds us today what can happen when we try to take matters into our own hands. You don't want to be the person to birth an Ishmael into the world. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. There he is. Middle of the Sea of Galilee, middle of a storm, a perilous storm, a life-threatening storm. And here comes Jesus, and at first they think, and they're even more afraid of whoever that is walking on water towards them. Is it a ghost? They're more afraid of whoever that is than they are of the life-threatening storm that they're in. And this is where Peter, and you know this, and you've probably heard this, and many have preached this, but here's Peter, and he says, when he realizes it's the Lord, bid me come. Translated, I want to walk on water too. Now before you're, and I've done this too, and I think many of us are going to owe Peter an apology in heaven. I'll be at the front of that line. But think about this, none of the other disciples said that. And so he tells Jesus, have me come to you and walk on water too. And what does Jesus say? What are you, crazy? No, he doesn't say that. He says, come. And what does Peter do? He comes. He steps out of that boat By the way, storm still raging. We still got a storm here. He steps out into the storm, out of the boat, and he's walking on water. Well, you know how it ends. We're told very detailed in the narrative that he was walking on water and then he took his eyes off the Lord. And that's when he began to sink. My son Levi and I were talking about this. And I mean, surely the the lesson is clear here that had he not taken his eyes off the Lord, he would not have sunk and began to drown. But I have a question. 
Why did he take his eyes off the Lord? Maybe better asked this way, what took his eyes off the Lord? Well, you know what it was, right? It was the storm. (laughs) And as soon as he took his eyes off the Lord, boom, down he goes. Stay with me. And I, I love it because Peter prays a three-word prayer. Lord, save me. And Jesus answered it. That gives me great encouragement that God answers three-word prayers. <laughs> it's not the length of the prayer, as one said, it's the strength of the prayer. That does not apply to sermons, so you know. So he starts sinking, and the Lord reaches out and pulls him up. But here's a takeaway in the context of what we're looking at here. Think about this. Something or someone is competing and clamoring for our attention And if it succeeds, then we take our eyes off the Lord and put it on whatever that is. And it's for this reason I believe that the writer of Hebrews makes it a point to point to Jesus with our eyes. We don't see that, but we do see Jesus our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is over all mankind. Jesus is over all the angels. That's who I'm looking to, the author and finisher, perfecter of my faith, my eyes on Him. I was thinking this morning before coming about Lot. I actually went back into Genesis to read the account and refresh my memory. So, you know, when Lot and Abraham are going to part ways, and Abraham basically gives Lot first choice, and we're told, it's a very interesting detail, and it's there for a reason in the narrative, we're told that Lot looked and saw with his eyes Sodom. And he saw the prosperity, the city lights, as it were. He said, ah, that's where I want to go. And he did. And what's really interesting, and for those of you that were with us many years ago now, we went through the book of Genesis, a fascinating study of just Lot's life. He starts off, he pitched his tent near Sodom. You know, by the time Sodom and Gomorrah are judged. You know where we find him? He's not in a tent near Sodom. He's at the city center of Sodom. Oh, interesting how that works. And it all starts with where we fix our eyes. I tell you, I love it when our worship team does that timeless classic hymn, In fact, I asked Capono if he was going to do it again. He did it after the prophecy update. He said, well, if you want me to. I said, no, as the Lord leads. 
I'm only going to reference it. He said, well, then that's the Lord leading. So (laughs) I guess you know what the closing song is going to be. And I think it's so apropos that it is. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. You'll forgive me, but this works both ways. I mean in no way to mar this beautiful, wonderful hymn. But think of it like this. What if it was, turn your eyes upon the world. Look full in all of its lusts. And the things of God will grow strangely dim, and no longer will you see the light of His glory and grace. I think sometimes we would do well to just take an inventory of our Christian lives. Upon whom or upon what have I fixed my eyes? This last one is that we take control from the Lord. Now I want to spend the remainder of our time on this here in verses 10 through 18, because the writer of Hebrews uses again another very interesting word, the word pioneer. Some of your translations render it captain. He's the pioneer of our salvation, the captain of our salvation. Uh, In the original, it carries the idea of founder, captain, pioneer. Do you know what that means? It means he's the captain of the ship, not you. He's the pioneer. He's steering it. He's the captain of my destiny for all eternity. Let him. But see, that's the problem, isn't it? Let's be honest with ourselves. The problem is we want to be in control. It's all about control. Isn't it true that fear sets in when we feel like we're out of control and can't control the outcome? Oh my God. I I feel so out of control. Wow. You might have to trust the Lord. I know that's a novel idea. I can't control this. I want to be in control. I want to be in the driver's seat. I want to be the one calling the shots because I can determine the outcome. I'm in control of the outcome. And being in control. I mean, when we talk about God being in control, we are so, it's so cliche. God's in control. I know. (laughs) Right? I know He's in control. That's not the problem. The problem is, I want to be in control. 
Think Abraham and Sarah. I've often thought about this precious couple whom I can't wait to meet in heaven. (laughs) Man, he's a hundred years old, you know, and Sarah's 90 years old when she finally, biologically, miraculously, gives birth to Isaac. But (laughs) the problem was, is that Sarah decided to take control of the matter and take the matter into her own hands. And in so doing, birthed an Ishmael, a type of the flesh, who to this day is the source of unspeakable conflict in the Middle East. All because she took back control from God. That's really what it was about. Can you imagine what their devotional life was, or when they would pray together? That presupposes they prayed. I mean, Abraham is probably like, honey, let's pray. He's like, no, that's an old prayer. They've given up. No, God told me we're going to have a son, and from this son, our descendants are going to be as numerous and countless as are the sands on the seashore and the stars in the sky. And I stopped praying, honey. I mean, think about it. That ship has sailed. I mean, I love you, but the womb has long been closed and barren. There's no way. No, but God told me that He was going to do it. Well, He's sure taking His own sweet time, isn't He? Yeah, but He said He would. He promised. And He will. So, I'm supposing she's 89 years old, and he's 99 years old. And the Lord, it's a Christophany, it's a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus Himself, comes to visit Abraham, and says to Abraham, and Abraham knows. In fact, that's why Abraham bows down and worships him. If it was just an angel, no angels are worshipped. It was the Lord. And he bowed down, and he worships him. Lord. Oh, replete throughout the Old Testament. This is another topic for another time. Are all these appearances of Jesus the Christ. And this was one of them. And he says to Abraham, okay, let's get this show on the road. (laughs) That's a very loose translation, but you get the point. He says, one year from today, you're going to have a son. And you know what's really fascinating about that? Is that Abraham is probably looking out of the corner of his eye from outside the tent at Ishmael, who it's believed was about 12 or 13 years old at the time. (laughs) If I'm Abraham, I'm going, "Uh uh-oh. We, uh, never mind. I know that when he takes Isaac to Mount Moriah, in obedience to the Lord to sacrifice him, 
And God comes to him and says, now I want you to take your son, your only begotten son. He has an argument with God. He says, what about Ishmael? God does not acknowledge Ishmael. Isaac, and by the way, Isaac is a type of Christ. That was another fascinating study. You know, I know in, when you were in Sunday school, you had the flannel graphs and Isaac was a little baby. I'm sorry to ruin that for you. He was 33 years old when he was taken to Mount Moriah, a type of Christ. That was the age of Jesus when he was crucified on that very same mount, by the way. So I know I just ruined your Sunday school (laughs) lessons growing up, but we know that from Scripture. So what's the point? The point is this. We do err greatly when we under the banner of needing to be in control, take matters into our own hands with the perception that we are, we never are. We never are. God is the one who's in control. And then here's the thing that happens when that happens. We take control of our situation. We try to work it out, figure it out in the energy of our own flesh. And what happens? We make for ourselves problems that, I mean, we make such a mess out of it. And it's like God doesn't force us. Just, would you let me do this? No, I got this, God. You do, do you? Okay. All right, let me know when you're in the fetal position again, (laughs) and I'll be there. He's never going to force us to let Him be God and be in control. There is something about us that I guess we have to learn the hard way, you know. There's the easy way. What's that like? (laughs) If you know what that's like, would you let me know what that's like? Because I don't know what that's like. And then there's the hard way. I know what that's like. But learn the hard way. Let me close this way. God desires an intimacy with you more than you could ever desire an intimacy with Him. And God is always about creating an environment in our Christian lives that is conducive to such. He will always orchestrate the circumstances and choreograph the steps to lead us, guide us, direct us to be closer to Him. And oftentimes He'll have to correct, redirect, chastise, discipline. (laughs) I hate that. (laughs) But it's good. And I think, and I would venture to say, if you ever to think back on some of those times in your Christian life that were so painful and so difficult and so hard, you would never want to have to go through that again. I would venture to say that you would never trade what God did in your life in that experience. Was it not the closest time you were with the Lord? Are not the memories fond of how close you were to the Lord? I mean, imagine how it is for the Lord 
I, I want to have this relationship with you, but you're kind of off busy doing all these things. I, I'm going to have to get your attention. Oh, I struck a chord with somebody. <laughs> and then when he gets your attention, it's never like this. Oh, I got your attention now. Get over here, boss. Yeah. <laughs> That's your earthly father, not your heavenly father. <laughs> it's more like this. I've got your attention. We need to talk. Let's spend some time together. I love you so much. There's some things I want to show you. And I can't show you because you're too distracted, you're too busy. There's some things I want to tell you. Oh, if you only knew what I wanted to tell you. But I can't because the volume of your life is too loud. And you can't hear me. Because when I speak, I'm not going to compete with those voices in your life. Because when I speak, I speak in the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And you can't hear me. I had a teacher in high school, I'll close with this. Well, this will be the last closing. Mr. Bowman, had, at my 10-year reunion, I actually had a chance to tell him that I used him in many sermon illustrations. He didn't quite know what to make of that, but he was one of those monotone, very soft-spoken teachers, right? My very first day in class with him, you know, we're rowdy, and of course, you know, I'm not proud of it, but I was at the front of that line too, but you know, and so he comes in the class, and in his monotone, soft voice, he says, okay, settle down, take your seat. And he just proceeds. I'm like, hey, speak up. We can't hear you. <laughs> to which he responds, no, you quiet down if you want to hear me. Wow, that was the beginning of a very long school year for me. <laughs> and I've always thought about that. That's the Lord. I, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, so be it, whatever. But my life can be so loud. And it's like the Lord saying, I'm not going to compete with that. I want to talk with you. So many things I need to tell you. But you have to quiet down to hear it, because I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to yell. We'll close in prayer and song. I bet you can't guess what song that closing song is going to be. Thank you, worship team, for doing that song. I love that song so much. Loving Heavenly Father, we're, oh, we love you so much, Lord. And we thank you so much. Lord, thank you for your word to us, your love for us, and your desire to be with us. Lord, I pray for anyone who might be here watching online, and yeah, the fire's kind of cooled and is about to go out. I pray, Lord, that you would rekindle that fire, that desire as only you can. Lord, I pray that as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you heard today may have encouraged you in your faith. There are many revered Bible characters mentioned in the book of Hebrews, people who lived ordinary lives but amounted to much in God's eyes when it came to faith. Perhaps you might be the same. You're living your very ordinary life, striving to live for God, but sometimes you make some harebrained decisions. Thankfully, God's looking at your life and your faith as a whole. This should be encouraging to you. You don't have to live up to perfection. Continue following this series with us in the book of Hebrews to gain additional glimpses of faith lived out. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D., You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Hebrews. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God has been putting on his heart. Faith is something that's ongoing, so keep it up. Join us again on In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true.